Hey, Stu, your rent's due, motherfucker. Hey, Aries, you heard about that new uh, podcast app called Anchor? I sure did, Andy. Guess what? It's time to pay some bills. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. And they have tons of creation tools that allow you to record and edit your own podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. And we know you know about that money, Jew boy. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go download your Anchor app now for free, or you can go to anchor.fm to get started today. Can you feel it, baby? That money? Yeah. And don't be pulling that falling down the stairs shit on me, you hear? Ready to go. You said you were fired up. Let's do it. All right. So uh, first, you know what? I, I, if we could, uh, let's do the Jordan thing second and get into the emails first. I thought this is where we were going to go. Let's do it. Yeah. Uh, okay. <sighs> okay. Woosai. Um, fuck it. We don't need to tell people who the fuck we are. They in quarantine. They know. Yeah. Well, they're listening. This, yeah. This, um, this, listen. Listen. You're going to hear the Go jerk. Ahead. You're just going to, you're about ready to hear the jerk real loud right now. <laughs> um, remember that time we would, we did the eighties episode and before we got into it, we had 40 minutes of, uh, uh, me ranting about this dude who basically kind of called me like an uncle Tom and a sellout. Cause he said, I show too much ass kissing towards white people. Yeah. I remember how fired yeah, up yeah, I was? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. It's 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 that, but sports. Okay. Um, so I, it's so here we go. Um, and you know what's crazy is I actually think uh, I, I go back and forth with, forth with this dude a lot on Instagram. Um, so I have love and respect for this dog because his name is Django Johnson, and that name Django I've seen a million times. Um, so when I read this, I'm not going to read this all the way through because there's definitely stop and start points. Okay, so here we go from the Django Johnson. Uh, and that is such a poor name. Um, big fan of your podcast. Been listening and subscriber for at least a year now. Keep doing what you're doing. Your last dance takes have compelled me to write. Aries, I appreciate your love for MJ and I would not dare insult your hero. But he's about to. Um, I'm 38, and my basketball heroes include MJ, Penny Hardaway, Allen Iverson, and, of course, LeBron James. Watching this documentary has been a reminder of how great MJ was in his era, but also confirmation that he could never achieve everything he did without a strong team around him. As talented and gifted and confident he was. He still needed a team around him to reach those heights. 
Now, I just want to stop right here real quick because he doesn't he does say this, but I have to stop right here. You know, I wish you guys would stop with that corny shit. You guys keep alluding to this thing like Michael Jordan has been so cocky that he's never said or given his teammates credit. And, 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 and listen, being that I'm from the fucking 45 club, the 40 year old club. Believe me when I tell you, stop. And I don't know if this is a young people's thing, but guys, stop reiterating that point as though we don't know that. Everybody knows you need a fucking team. We know that. You guys keep saying that to us like this is a news flash, like you're telling us something we don't fucking know. All right, anyway. Um, <laughs> as time gives he was, you need a team run. I'm glad he's never shied away from giving his teammates the proper praise they deserve uh, for their role in his ascension to greatness and dominance in basketball history. And Mike's always said, he's done something with his championships. So, I mean, Scotty, you know, so Scotty was there. He knows. Like you, I'm not cool with the disrespect some people are showing to make a case for their favorite player for greatest of all time. It's unnecessary. Now that that's out the way, let's get to it. Oh, uh, who's really the GOAT, LeBron or Mike? Yes, it's between LeBron and Mike because let's face it, Kobe was a bad boy, but he copied MJ and he puts him caps completely. As a comedian, if you see another comedian take someone else's style and jokes, you can't honestly put them on the same pedestal as the originator no matter how popular or how many achievements. Now, let me stop you right there. Not the same thing. Horrible fucking comparison. Because the objective in basketball or any sport is to score. How you fucking do it, it don't matter. You have to score for the sake of a team game. You understand? Comedy is an individual sport made up of individual shit. Your thoughts your point of view, how you feel, your words, your writing. It's not the same fucking thing. Um, and you're judged based off that. You know, it, people critique Dave Chappelle or a Patrice or a Bill Burr or a Kathleen Madigan based off what they themselves bring to the art form. At the end of the day, you leave, you come there and you leave there going, I like what that person said about politics. I like what they said about race. I never heard that, that take on this type of subject. Oh my God, they were dirty, they were blue. They, they, were, they, did, they, did, they had improv skills. At the end of the day, yes, Kobe copied all of Mike's moves, but still he had to put the ball in the hole and he did it miraculously. He reminded you of Mike all the way. But that's not the same type of comparison. Andy, agree or disagree? Uh, like, I give you 90% of what you just said is true. But when you talk about all-time greats, I think that the style and the way you impact the game is important. And I think that he impacted the game the same exact way that Jordan did. So you can't put him up on that number two spot because his resume is so similar to someone else's. I, and and that's, that's, in, that's 10% of it, his, his look, his style, the way he did it. But, he, but Jordan created that part of the game. So he didn't bring anything new to the NBA. He brought what was there. But, and to your point again with comedy, 
and, and I'm going to use comedy, even though you said it's a, it's not a team sport. There's, there's comedians that, that come and they bring something new to comedy, like an act out. Let's say someone was an act out comic and they brought act outs to the stage and they made them popular. And then you'll see a whole group of comics that come up and do act outs. They didn't bring anything new. They might have been funny. They might be the original takes, but they kind of, even even though it's your original uh, ideas, the jokes, you took someone else's style, and that's where you have to, again, go back into the uh, laboratory and figure out who you are. Uh, I, I, I know Kobe athletically, it's different because you can do the same thing that someone in who was already great, who had the greatness. Michael just led that way, and... I don't see that Kobe went off that path. I think that Kobe's one of the top NBA players of all time, athletically, skill-wise, but he didn't change the game. That, that's, that's, he just played at a different level. He played at the level Mike played at. But that's, oh, oh. that's, that's still different. Well, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know who has come and changed the game and elevated it to another level past Mike. That's the whole point. That's why Mike's greatness is unmatched. And I'll get into that later in terms of LeBron. But I can shout one out right now, though. Iverson. How he changed the game? Go ahead. Let me let you go first. How did he change the game? Well, he didn't change it just from uh, an athletic perspective, even though he he brought the small man game back to basketball with, with the Jordan mentality, but he also brought culturally, he changed the game. Yes. I, I knew you was going to go there. Absolutely. You're right. Culturally. And, and that's why, again, one of my favorite commercials is the commercial with Jadakiss while he's rapping while AI is, you know, in the background doing his thing. And I think it's in black and white. He says it, dude, the cornrows, the tattoos, the hip hop mentality, Allen Iverson was the hip-hop, streets, thuggish mentality. He, he represented the streets. Now, does that really constitute changing the game, change, taking it to another level, to new heights? I don't think so. Not athle- he just brought in a, a culture. Not athletically he didn't change the game, but emotionally and the way that the audience viewed the game, I, I think he, he made it. He, he brought a relatability to the sport that was being denied. So, you, you know, you, you, if we want to just say athletically, has there anybody been able to change the game since Mike? No. LeBron is his, his size and the way that he participates, uh, uses everybody to participate in the game. I mean, that's an old, that's actually an old style of basketball. Okay. And here's what I was going to get to. Look, in the eighties, magic and bird, they get credit for saving the NBA. Yes. They saved the NBA and they made it fantastic. Matter of fact, on that, on that fucking documentary I love, Best of Enemies. Right. That's, that, was the, that was the phrase that was ushered in. Fantastic. The NBA. So they brought it to that level. Michael Jordan took it and he made it fucking global. He made the world go basketball. But, but. But that also had to do with something of the timing of Jordan getting there. Okay. Okay. But he still had to do what he did. Yeah. He was best suited. And, 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 and why Jordan is exceptional in what you just said is, yeah, and, and going, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to take the other perspective with you, with you because I'm always on the same team with you on Jordan. But here's what I would say, and this is where I've become the Jordan fan again. And they show it in the documentary. 
the timing was for somebody to take that to the next level. But the timing happened because uh, the college basketball players weren't able to compete with the European professional players. They opened it up to the professional NBA players to join. The group of players that came together uh, went there. And at that time, when they went there, Jordan wasn't the leader of the team. Shortly after they got there, Jordan became the leader of the team. And that speaks to his greatness there. And, right. and that, that, that he, the reason he was in that position wasn't just because it, it fell to him. It's because he took that position and, and then the timing was perfect, but he took that leadership role. He took that position, not because he took it because he said, I'm going to be in charge, but physically, mentally on the court, he took it from also the already established legends of the game. So yeah, greatest. So go on. I'm yeah, sorry. And, 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 and no one since him has been able to take it to whatever that next level is. It's, and I said this before, I, several podcasts ago, when I gave those statistics, even still, when people watch the NBA, when they were watching LeBron and, and uh, the Cavs go against Steph and the Warriors, the ratings, the numbers still were not as high as when Jordan played. So what does that tell you? The elevation has not surpassed Jordan today. No, and it isn't that way where, uh, I, I mean, I can't speak to LeBron and how, how his life works, but I don't think that he has the same rock star status every single no, place he No, he goes. does not. Okay. So, and, and we will get into that. Okay. And, and not only are we going to get into it now on the emails, but prior to, you will have already heard, of, heard us get into it when we reviewed the, 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 the latest episodes of The Last Dance. So now here I go. Um, okay, so he goes, LeBron has been the draw for the NBA at least for the last decade. Let's be real. Athletically speaking, there's nothing he can't do that Jordan did when he played the game. LeBron's entire head is above the rim when he's chasing down blocks. This is exactly what bigger and faster means. Right, let me stop you there. Because um, later on, he goes on to say something about something else about LeBron. So let me say it now. I have never not said LeBron wasn't great. I have said on every fucking occasion that I have gone to war with LeBron fans, yo, he's dope. He undoubtedly, he is the greatest player of this generation. More than Kevin Durant, more than Steph Curry. Hands down, he holds the mantle, because his head is above the rim, so what? What does that mean? At the end of the day, it's still two fucking points. And you act like Jordan's head or arms was never above the fucking rim. And I'm going to again address bigger, stronger, faster. You guys are so, uh, uh, what's that word? Um, over, not overhyped, but overrated with those three words. It's overrated. All right, let me go ahead. Um, Andy sounds completely and utterly fucking ridiculous when he asserts that LeBron couldn't overcome the Pistons' physicality in the 90s. I think LeBron could play in any era. That's what I'm saying, Aries. I think LeBron could play in any era. Um, I don't know. I don't remember Andy ever saying that, but Andy will tell you if he said that. But all I'm saying is, yo, the 90s, he would experience something he's never felt before. 
And for a guy that flops, when you breathe on him, it would have been interesting to see how he would have handled that. Could he have handled it? Of course I think he could have. Go ahead, Andy. Uh, I think I did say something towards that. And I didn't mean, I meant it a little bit more hyperbole than that. I meant it like, because he hasn't experienced that. But let, 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 let's, let, let's take this to a different step. Okay, physically, let's say that he is bigger, faster, stronger than Jordan. Let's say that he could have went down that lane uh, because he's bigger and he's stronger. Uh, I, I don't think the speed, the speed, I guess, is important. It, it creates momentum. So if you can do that and handle it, yeah, you're going to go down the lane. Now, physically, we could say that he was he he would be able to do that, and I and I agree with any of that statement uh, that he might be making. The problem isn't, and the problem has never been LeBron's physical stature. It's the thing he didn't possess that Jordan did possess, and the reason this documentary took ten years to come out because somebody was uncomfortable. Jordan was uncomfortable with who he was on the floor, who he was as a champion, who he was as uh, the leader of the team. He, there is no way that anyone can say that LeBron has the same mentality as Jordan. And Jordan said at the end of the doc, and I don't want to go over too much of what he said in the last doc, in because we're going to talk about this on the on the podcast that you're going to hear before this one. Uh, he said that's how I played the game, and that's because and that's if you feel the way that you do, that's because you never won anything. And obviously, LeBron has won. I'm not saying that he hasn't, but that mentality to win every single time, not just the not just the finals. He wanted to win every single game, even if it's playing quarters up against the wall. He wanted to win every single game. And that's what Kobe also had. And that's what made Kobe in the conversation to be the one closest to Michael and not LeBron. Okay, go ahead. Let me let me point something out. And I'm not saying that having to fight people, physically ball your fist up and fight people somehow makes you a better athlete, but it speaks to your mentality. It speaks to who you are as a warrior. You could go, oh, there are so many clips of Michael Jordan either getting ready to whoop somebody's ass or they're breaking up a tussle before he got a chance to whip somebody's ass. Reggie Miller, uh, Greg Anthony, Xavier McDaniel, uh, Bill Lambeer and Rick Mahorn. Anthony Mason. Anthony Mason. There are no clips of LeBron James in altercation. And even when dudes have tried to step to LeBron, he just shies away. Now, I know some of y'all will want to make attest that to, I don't know, hey, he's being the bigger man or whatever. My whole point, again, I'm not sitting here saying, yo, because Jordan actually got into fisticuffs. That's what makes him a better athlete. I'm speaking to the mentality. I'm speaking to the fighter in him, where LeBron has always had a reputation for passivity. He's a passive dude. So bigger, stronger, faster, faster, over-fucking-rated. Let me continue. Um, what was I? Uh, okay. The documentary... Tells you MJ didn't lift the physical uh, The documentary tells you MJ didn't start lifting weights until after losing to the Pistons, and even then he only got up to 215 pounds. LeBron is at least 260 all diesel, nigga. The league today is 
far more advanced than they were 20, 30 years ago at Michael Jordan's era. Okay, let me stop again. You guys are so ridiculous in that assessment. This whole thing about the league is better, the players are better, the technology. Why do you guys keep trying to downplay? As you say to me, y'all downplay LeBron to big up Mike. Why do you guys, in order to big up LeBron, downplay Hall of Famers and All-Stars? Patrick Ewing, Charles Barkley, a young Shaq, Kobe Penny, Clyde Drexler, David Robinson, Reggie uh, Miller, Malone Stockton. These guys were All-Stars, Hall of Famers. Why do you guys keep trying to perpetuate that these younger athletes, what do these younger athletes have over those guys? And mind you, other than Seth and LeBron, who the fuck else from this young generation has championships? That's the same case I can make when I go, yo, Mike stood in the way of all those dudes I just made. The only team to win a ring in the Jordan era was the team Elijah And why? Mike was gone. So that doesn't take anything away from any of those other athletes. They're not bums. They're not garbage men. Truck drivers, as you call them. Plumbers. These are fucking all-stars and Hall of Famers. Knock it the fuck off. Uh, Michael Jordan was like an iPhone back in the 90s playing against brick phones and flip phones. He was so advanced and his game was so fundamentally well put together that he stood out amongst the rest like no other. There will never be another Michael Jordan just like there will never be another Michael Jackson. They were from another time completely. But just like the technology, everyone else catches up eventually. Jordan eventually played against guys that were inspired by him and stole all his moves. Allen Iverson, which what move did Allen Iverson take from Jordan? The turn, Penny Harder. The, turn the around, what? The quick turnaround shot. He didn't really do that much. Yeah, but I get what you're saying. You're right. Penny Hardaway, Grant Hill, Ray Allen, Shaquille O'Neal, Kobe Bryant, and the list goes on. These guys inspired the guys in the league today. Using the same analogy, everyone is a smartphone now. Well, if for everybody to be a smartphone, you guys are pretty fucking dumb. Because again, who else is winning outside of uh, Steph and LeBron? So where's all this technology coming in useful? Okay, before, even before you go past that, I want to bring something up that just hit me right now. Um, oh, okay. we, oh, unless you got something that you need to say right now that goes with what you're saying. Go ahead. Uh, and I'm just saying this, and I'm just saying this, and Andy, you can go to your point. Okay. For all this bigger, stronger, faster, why are you guys doing load management? Players in the 80s and 90s played all 82 fucking games. And let me tell you something else. Private planes for players didn't start coming in effect until the 90s. Back in the 80s, players flew commercial. And I'm telling you, and maybe Andy can attest to this, as somebody who flies commercial, I'm not Kevin Hart. I don't fly in private jets. I fly commercial. That matters. It's taxing on your body when you got to get up early, catch a flight, wait in the airport. If there's a delay due to maintenance or whatever issues, you're sitting in uncomfortable chairs. Airports back then 
aren't like what they are now. Talk about technology making comfort. It's uncomfortable. And then to get on a flight, fly five hours, maybe have to make a connection. By the time you get to your city, by the time you check into your hotel, it's two o'clock in the morning. You got to get up and be in practice in five hours, maybe four. Then you got to game that night. All of that shit matters. It's taxing on you. Today, these players have private plays, plenty of leg room, video games, Pokemon to play. It's more relaxing. We didn't come from a relaxed era. So knock it the fuck off. I think that second run of Bulls, they, they, got, they got private planes. Yeah, yeah, in the 90s. That was the 90s. Yeah. Late, middle 90s. Okay. Uh, yeah, and it does make a difference because when you do fly commercial, which they did, because a lot of players used to say when they would say, what's the, what, what's the downside of being Jordan's teammate? And they wanted to give more politically correct answers than they're given today. Uh, they would say uh, flying because he was such a rock star that the whole uh, airport would end up in whatever gate he was at. And that took a toll on the whole team because it wasn't just him. And when you couldn't get to Jordan, then you got to the next player that you knew or the next player that you knew or the next player that you knew. And so that just took that took a toll on the whole team. Um, that's one of the things I've heard from I've heard um, players say. Uh, and I said all that to say as comics, you know, sometimes and, and, and Andy doesn't have to do this, even though he's done it with me. I, when I get in, sometimes I don't get in till one in the morning. I got to be up in four hours at five to make a 6 a.m. Uh, uh, a TV appearance for press. And then I got a show that night. So I'm running on fumes and you still got to perform. Bad Andy. Uh, but the thing that uh, really, I just, it stood out to me when we're having this conversation right now uh, is when everybody keeps saying bigger, faster, stronger. Right. And uh, Jordan's game, uh, because of where he played, his game was a different level, and that's one of the reasons that he played the way he did, right? Is that what that's the, that's their yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, if we say Kobe Bryant's game was exactly like Jordan's, and he played with that new era of players, and he still stood above those players, I think the model would be Jordan's game works in any diff- in any era. Absolutely, it does. So I think that point is, should be removed from even that talk about the way that the NBA is different because you saw someone who took modeled his game after Jordan's and was as, as almost as close to being as successful at Jordan in the NBA. So that, that just makes that point moot. Take it off the table. Right, right. Um, the game has changed so much, too. You can't accurately compare different eras. LeBron and Mike never played head-to-head just like the games changed from Wilt Chamberlain's era to MJ to now. Arguing who's the best is like arguing what fruit is the best out of the apple and the orange. It's completely subjective at this point. You sound like a woman. That's vagina talk. It's subjective. Of course it's subjective, but we're men. That's what we do. It's in our DNA. Sports debate, it goes from the streets to the dice games to the card table to the barber shops. It's what we do. And, and again, so do, just do me, so do me a favor, dog. Grab your Vikings hat, get you some bratwurst, put it in a bun, get your Vikings mug, and change your panty liner, nigga. We're men. 
Get your turkey leg and be a man. And again, going back to what I said about Kobe, we already we can prove that Kobe, that the Jordan game works going forward in the NBA because there's it, it works. Kobe proved that it works. So yes, that's so it. Please, dog. No vagina talk here. Please, it's subjective. Of course, it's subjective. That's not the point. You can't convince me Jordan's highlights are so much greater than LeBron. Actually, I can. Dennis Rodman said it. He goes, yo, LeBron's game is very simple. Basically, LeBron, what does he do most times? Yes, he does the patented fadeaway also, which he got from Jordan, just like Kobe. But mostly with that diesel, bigger, stronger, faster frame, he, he runs to the basket with those power dunks. Michael Jordan was ballet in the air. Like I said, one of my favorite plays. Go look up his highlights. Jumping up in the air against the New Jersey Nets. Weaving his way through three different dudes before his feet touch the ground. How many times have we seen Michael Jordan go up in the air intending to do one thing? And when the defense met him, physically contorting his body and finishing with something else. How many times have we seen the, the L.A. Laker highlight? What a spectacular move! Goes up with the dunk and the right hand switches to the left off the glass. How many times, I think it was the, the, the last dance when he played in the garden and he wore his Jordans that he first came out with as like a throwback. And he talked about his feet were bleeding. When that one play, he goes up into the air. I think it was Allen Houston comes to meet him. And we've seen him do this a lot. He 180s his, 180s, 180s his body, takes the contact, flicks it off his wrist over his head, and it goes in. Show me the highlights of LeBron doing that. LeBron is, is power. His game is power. And when you got power, there's only one way to play. Straightforward, like a battering ram. Michael Jordan, oh, and let me remind you, could dunk his ass off too. Dunked on many a motherfucker, many a posterized, but it could change his body, could contort his air, could hang in the air. I think it was a series Against the Washington, they changed his name. No, they hadn't been the, the Wizards yet. The Washington Bullets with Jawan Howard and Chris Webber. He's, he's, he's driving to the hole. He goes baseline into a fadeaway going to the side. He wasn't just fading away. He was fading away going towards the right, m- moving back and over and made the jump shot. Show me where LeBron does that. His highlights are not as good as Michael. Michael was ballet in the air. Andy. Uh, I mean, I, I, we, I, think LeBron's, I think LeBron's highlights are great highlights. It's, it's a different it, – and what he said is a different game. But when we see Jordan, that play, which you're talking about, where he switches hands and then uh, lays it up on the backboard, I was watching that game. And I honestly, when we watched that game, we looked at each other, me and my friend, my friend Vinny, we actually looked at each other. And I, I thought, I was like, he was just showing off. And then they showed the replay and the announcer slowed it down so that you could see why he did it. He went up and it, there was a possibility that shot was going to be blocked. He switches hands and he does that all in the air. It, 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 is, it is one of, if you break that play down, it is one of the most amazing uh, athletic feats that I've ever seen. Um, Michael Jordan has, he had three 
back then VHS. Uh, I don't know what you call them. They're not documentaries, but highlight movies, reels, films, whatever you call them. Come fly with me, playground, and airtime. If y'all ever get a chance, look at Michael Jordan, airtime. There are so many plays where, again, he goes in the air and he meets the defense. And in mid-flight, he changes and contorts his body to get that ball in that basket. And defies gravity. Yeah, no, I'm not buying it. You, it I, I don't even remember which coach said it is. You got to get it. was Pat Riley. You have to get him before he gets in the air. You got to get him right. before because once he's in the air, you can't stop it's him. Too late. Yeah, it's too late. So, um, both these dudes are blessed. Let's keep it a thousand. LeBron never had a Jerry Krause to draft the right players, a Pippen or a Rodman to allow him to play his game. So we just gonna skip over Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh. Yeah, it wasn't about drafting. He went to the he made the team. He right. drafted the team. He drafted, he put the team together. Right. LeBron went, I'm gonna go pack my bags and get with two other all-stars. But my point in bringing that up was, well, you know, Michael had Pippen and Rodman. Well, LeBron had fucking Wade and Bosch. And then when he went back to Cleveland, he had Kevin Love and Kyrie. So miss me with that. You can't have it both ways. Um, or a Phil Jackson. Now I'll give you this. Or a Phil Jackson to install a triangle offense. It would have been interesting to see what LeBron could have done or what changes may have been made had he had been coached by a top-tier coach. A Phil or a Greg Popovich. That would have been interesting. So I'll give you that. Yeah, but to say the triangle offense. The triangle offense not necessarily played the best for Jordan, it played the best for the team game because that's why no one run. That's why the triangle isn't run like every day. That's not why it's, it's not the most popular offense. Phil ran that offense. Um, it's, I don't think that that's, you can say that it, because they installed this triangle o- offense, Jordan became the, a better player. It, it, I think the early play of Jordan, not the team player would have made Jordan. It could have. It could have raised his highlights if he was still playing the one-on-one game. If it was Jordan, I think you just said it. I think you just said it. It didn't make Jordan a better player. It made the Bulls a better team. Yeah, it did. It really did. Uh, I I don't see that. And there's a lot of play. And I know that he. They say that he doesn't have. He didn't have a great coach, but he had the coach that he needed in Miami. Right. Uh, Sp- right. Spinola, is Spinola, how do you say his name? I don't even know the Spolstra. coach. Spolstra. Yeah. That, that, he liked that coach. The coach worked for him. Um, but and, you had Pat Riley overseeing that, though. Yeah, and Pat Riley, that's what I was going to get to. Pat Riley, uh, other than Phil Jackson, is probably the other best coach that there's ever been. Yes. Well, he got five, don't he? he, won, no. he, he no, he got six. He won five with the Lakers, and he won one with Miami. Miami. Uh, the reason, and and he was also, uh, no, he has more rings than that because he won with the, uh, not only coaching the Lakers did he win rings, he won rings when he was playing with the Lakers. Yeah, I know, but most people don't count that okay. as far as coaching. Yeah, okay, but he's a great coach. He was, he was considered the coach until Phil Jackson came around. And I still don't, I, I still, I still have a fondness for Pat Riley. I, th- I think, uh, basketball minds, he's probably one of the best ever. No doubt. Um, the greats that played in the Jordan era all have said the same thing. Mike was never asked to do what LeBron 
has had to do for his teams. And please get off that killer instinct bullshit. The media has been brainwashing people with. with. Get the fuck out of here. How do you say get, get rid of the killer instinct? Killer instinct at the end of the game when there's two minutes left on the clock and the game is tied is what wins games. Just because it ain't a numerical stat don't mean it's not important. Michael had magic had killer instinct. Bird had killer instinct. Shaq had killer instinct. Kobe had killer instinct. They called it the mama mentality. Get the fuck out of here. And you did see what happened the one time Jordan does pass up the shot when he came back after being out the year, 18 months, and he passes up the shot and it goes out of bounds. That's the one, that's the one well, time well, that you saw. Well, I, 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 well that, I don't attribute that to, that was him not being basketball savvy. In basketball shape. He wasn't. He, he, he right. returned from baseball and started playing basketball. Right. That, that you can't do that. I mean, you can do that, but that also is a testimony to the greatness the, that he had. And that's without Horace Grant, right? That's without Horace Grant. Yes. yes. Without Horace Grant. Okay. Because he was playing with Orlando. So there you go. MJ was the ultimate competitor. He wanted it at all costs. That is not killer instinct. It's just his attitude towards the game. Potato, potato, nigga. So all you did, it's the same thing. You just gave it a different title. The fuck out of here. LeBron isn't less of a competitor if, he, if he'd rather play the game by bringing his teammates along with him. Let me correct you again. Magic brought his teammates along with him. Magic was the best at that. And everybody tells you Magic was a killer. So you can do both. Yeah. You, can, you can piss and shit at the same time. Yeah, but I don't like that uh, anal- that that that's that thought process because Jordan just because Jordan wasn't and Jordan did pass the ball to people in key moments like the Paxson pass that won the game in Phoenix, but not only that Jordan made the player the better player before they ever got to the game. He made the players better in practice. He made them stronger in practice. Practice. You talking about practice? Not a game. Practice. That's Come on, where, man. We talking about practice? That's where he built the mentality of the fucking practice. players. Come on, at least, man. Then the, it said practice. You get what I'm doing, right? Andy? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Allen Iverson. Uh, uh, yeah. But no, but that, but that's the, but that's the case. I mean, Scottie Pippen, who is actually my probably my favorite all time NBA player. He is. I like his game. I like him as a person. I like Scottie Pippen. Uh, I, I know he made some mistakes. We'll talk about that in the other episode. But he, uh, he doesn't become. Scotty Pippen without Jordan. So when you say he doesn't make the players better, how, how, how do you figure? Yeah, and, and anybody that's anybody will tell you what you do in the game is the easy part because you did it in practice. Practice? Practice. Um, it's cool if MJ is the greatest in your eyes, most people's eyes, but don't denigrate LeBron's greatness in the process. I don't think you ever Just have. I never, never. And I've always given LeBron his props. I just said, people, stop making the LeBron-Jordan comparison. Because they don't belong. You're not, you're not denigrating uh, LeBron at all. You're denigrating the thought process of people who can't see what you clearly see. What most people clearly see. Well, I, I'm, but I'm saying that's why, you, that's why you speak out on this. I mean, it is... Uh, to, to some people, it's fairly obvious. To others, you're working on what you're seeing today, and you can't go back to see it. 
Um, listen, first take yesterday did a poll. And of course, listen, you're never going to get 100%. There's always going to be people that waver to the other side. But they did a poll and they asked, who would you rather play with, the, pe- the, the, the people? Michael Jordan or LeBron? People picked Mike, Michael Jordan 70%. There's a reason for that. Yeah, because this almost turned into the Jordan podcast again. Man, let me get off this. Uh, <laughs> uh, there's one I really wanted to go to. Let me, let me find this one. Um, do, 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 do. Yeah, this is the one I sent you, Andy, about when you responded back. I do like Holocaust jokes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so the dude, his title is PLLP. Moist Era, love the show. Stuff, Aries. I want to write this because I love the show. Keeps me entertained. You know, we got so amped that I didn't even fucking do it. So let me do it now, even if it is out of place. Oh, Steve! <laughs> okay, we're back. Um, Moist Era loves the show. That's a, you know what? I actually like that. That was almost like a like a big, like they do the last dance. They don't just go into the opening theme music in the fucking credits. No, you, they give you a, a, a taste. Yeah. We okay, gave, so we gave him a taste. We gave him an entree. Now we're going to go back and have the salad. <laughs> there we go. God damn it. Reverse. Sup, Aries? I want to write this because I love the show. Keeps me entertained, and it's unlike other shows. Joe Rogan doesn't do it for me since he is a square. Speaking of squares, why does Steinberg stay defending Trump? He seems like a good guy, but once he speaks about race issues, I just hear racist stuff coming out of his mouth. Would he think the same if it happened to Jews? Does he like Holocaust jokes? Sometimes I feel he thinks he is above black people. Thanks, Leroy Jenkins. Now, before I give Andy the floor, two things. One, I told Andy when I sent him this email, this assessment couldn't be more way off. Uh, it just, it's ridiculous. Um, but what really blew me away was Leroy Jenkins. Like, what are the fucking chances of another Leroy? Leroy Furious, is this your cousin, nigga? And what's crazy about it is what I love about Leroy Furious. Like I said, when I first heard him, read the email, it sounds like a cool 70s black exploitation cop, a la chef, Leroy Furious. But Leroy Jenkins, it don't get no blacker than that. Those are two black names tied together. Leroy and Jenkins. I don't even think they make Jenkins no more. I think that name is out of print. Um, you know what that name Leroy? says? You know what that name actually sounds like to me? What? Here we go with my racist thoughts. I see a black postman walking his route smoking a parliament. I got something better than that. <laughs> Leroy Jenkins sounds to me like this nigga always has fried chicken grease on his fingertips. I don't care what he's wearing, a three-piece suit, a track suit, a fucking, his work clothes. This nigga could be at a, at a bar mitzvah, a pool party, a funeral. Every time you see Leroy Jenkins, this nigga's got fried chicken grease on his fingertips. His fingertips stay chicken greasy. He could be in some pussy. What do you think? What's wrong with your fingers? Leroy Jenkins. All right, go ahead. Um, I, I think when he said that about Holocaust jokes, my, the funniest joke I've seen 
Uh, in a while. I, I'm, I've been doing this roast battle with uh, Helium Comedy, uh, doing another one this uh, Saturday at, 10, at uh, 7 p.m., I think, or 7.30. Uh, 7. Uh, anyway, at, at heliumpresents.com. Anyway, um, we, I, I started looking at roasts because I don't, I don't do roasts. I don't, I don't, I've never been a roast battler guy. Funniest, funniest roast joke I ever heard is uh, one dude's roasting this dude, really heavy dude, and he's Jewish. And he said, if, if they took you out during the uh, concentration camps, they'd have to preheat the oven. Now, that is one of the funniest. Yeah, that's hilarious. So uh, when uh, I think Chappelle, and you, you've quoted Chappelle on this, I, I'm a comic before I'm anything else. If it's funny, right. it's funny. Uh, I don't really shy away from uh, any of those kind of jokes. So that's just to answer that question for you. The other, now, let me see your defense, see your defense before you continue. And I was just going to say, because I'm a comic too, so I have to piggyback on that. Listen, dude, at the end of the day, funny is money. Um, and again, I, I've heard motherfuckers say things about me that I didn't want to laugh at, but this shit was hilarious. So any comic that puts his own personal shit in front of his duties as a comedian, you have to question him as a comedian. Um, now, again, timing is everything. Just because something is funny as hell, the timing's got to be right. But go ahead. Um, do I see myself better as, than black people? Was that, was that what his question, uh, that he thinks I see myself as better than black people? Yeah. Okay. Uh, first of all, uh, <laughs> the, the, the reason this is funny to me is I, I don't see myself uh, as black. And that's the that when you hear white people try to say things to make everything nice, is they're trying to think of it as as a black person would. And every black person should be able to tell you if you're white, you can't see it as a black person. So I've never even tried to attempt to put my whiteness in black shoes. I try to explain to it how I see things based on how I was brought up. And I was brought up in a Mexican household uh, to a divorced mom who ended up marrying an Italian guy. And I have a Jewish father. Okay, so I have an Italian stepfather, a Mexican mom, and a Jewish uh, dad. I didn't grow up in a traditional idea. On each side of me uh, was uh, my me the Mexican neighbors on one side of me. Arnold was my friend there, and Chris and Eric uh, were the uh, were the black family that lived on the other side of me. Virtually, I was a Mexican Jew in the middle of those two families. I grew up in a way that I got to see life differently, almost as an outsider, because... As I got older, I, was I, I had the white privilege part where I got to walk through the world as white in most situations. Not 100% of them, but in most situations. So I think I've said this on the podcast before. I could be at a white person's house, and they would speak freely in front of me. So I understand uh, what, who, how white people actually work in their homes. So when I say the things that I say, it's coming not from a black, not trying to be a white dude with a black perspective, not trying to be a white person uh, and covering up a white perspective, not just being Mexican, not being Jewish. It's coming from a perspective of someone who looks outside. And this is the way you should look at things when you're discussing things. And this is what you have not been able to do, sir, because of the way that you are addressing this email. I can tell you, you have to look outside of yourself and when you say above, it's a very tricky word because uh, I don't know how you look outside of yourself. You have to look outside and you see the world for what it is, no matter who it is, yourself included. And when you can remove yourself from yourself, that's where ideas start to flow and that's where your feelings don't get hurt. And it sounds like your feelings got a little hurt. 
<clears throat> and let me just say, uh, I, I, and I try to do this as, as much as I can. Um, cause again, this dude's name is Jenkins. So I'm just thinking, cause you know, Jenkins is old school black. So maybe these are old school black thoughts cause they don't even make that name. I can't remember the last time I ran into a Jenkins, but I try to tell people when I promote the podcast to listen from episode zero and go in order to track the evolution of the show. Cause most people, I think when they subscribe, they just go to the latest episode and listen out of order. But we often, if you hear things out of sequence, when you hear certain uh, references or phrases or characters, hello, boys and girls, you might not get it unless you've caught it from the beginning. But I'm saying all that to say, anybody that's ever listened to this podcast long enough now knows that his assessment of you couldn't be more off. It's just completely off. Yeah, but I don't, uh, I don't, I don't even care. know where he would get that. Yeah, I, I don't care. You you have to. Uh, it's his assessment. If that's how he feels, that's how he feels. Uh, you you gotta you you know. It's like when when we're talking about uh, LeBron and Jordan, I tried to I tried to take a look at the the LeBron side. You know, a lot of people want to give you their side because they know they're right. Be knowing you're right is is part of it. Knowing why you're right is even a bigger part. Right. Okay. okay. Um, Cyril, Cyril Lloyd. Um, Aries, big fan of the podcast. Watch it every week. Seeing this article raises the question in my head. Would you rather be able to ball like Jordan or knock niggas out like Mike Tyson? I think with Jordan, you'll be able to get more love, pussy and money. But with Tyson, you would not be able to be a legend and your sport and have the ability to make niggas shit themselves when you walk the streets and nothing beats that. Get back to me on it. P.S. Power sucks. Um, wow, that's a good fucking question. Ooh. Um, I got an answer. Well, well, first of all, let me let you know whether you're Jordan or Tyson, as long as you got money and fame, the pussy comes. So one, one has no more some than the other. Um, but damn, I just like to fuck I have like, to go with jo- Go ahead, go, go ahead. ahead. I was gonna say I just like to be able to fuck like a big dick motherfucker, uh, <coughs> and have swag like I just didn't give a fuck. Uh, and I guess that's both well, of them, like you just said. It's both of them. We don't know that. We don't know that. I, I don't know size wise, but the swag I know. <laughs> right. Um, I gotta go with Jordan, man. Oh, and only because. I've always wished I could play basketball, and I can't. I suck. I suck. I suck. And and because I never became a basketball fan until Jordan, once I – and it was strictly Jordan at first. But then once I started to really like basketball and started watching others and the history, dude, I wish I could play ball, man. But the Tyson thing, god damn. Woo! That's a good one. See, I was just like that when I was brought a girl home and she pulled down my pants. I just, I never got to see a girl that had like fear in her eyes. I just like to see a little bit of fear. You know, I never saw a disappointment, but I'd like to see a little fear. I'm backing away from this one. <laughs> I'm, I'm saying she's, she's taking down my pants. I'm not taking them down where she saw fear. I'm saying she took my pants down and she, you could see a little look at where she got a little nervous. That's, that's what I would have liked. Fuck basketball or boxing. <laughs> That's what I want. All right. All right. 
<laughs> fear in her eyes. Oh. <laughs> oh. Let me go to... Um, hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh, oh, this is going to be a doozy because I don't know how to pronounce this nigga's name. Um, he's clearly African. Uh, and here's how you spell his first name. Let's have some fun, uh, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Grab a pen and a pad and write this down. Um, N K U L U L E K O. His his second name last name is Nombella. He's from South Africa, so that's N K U L U L E K O. Andy, how you pronounce that? I, I didn't have a pen to write it down, but it's cool, cool. Uh, I don't know uh, what it's K U L cool. And then what's the so you talk about the last part? No, the first name. It's N K U L U L. Right? So that would be cool. Cool. C U L. Yeah, it's no. You. I don't think you pronounce the N. Like okay, Kadichi, like that. Okay, so yeah, N K U L U L E K O. Ah man, I have no. Nukuliko, nuk. Nabella, Coleco Vision. Yeah, I don't know, nigga. Whatever his friends call him. That's that. Okay, th- that. Um, okay, love the podcast, but fuck all that right now. Aries, do you need to? Do you need to be political to know what's racist or not? Because this podcast would be the antithesis of political. And you say this yourself, but you week in and week out able to talk about racism eloquently at times. Let me make sure I got that right. But you week in and week out able to talk. Hey, grab one of them letters from your first name uh, and stick it in between you able to talk uh, and see if we can't make that make sense. $10, a lot of money. Um, Okay, you able to talk about racism eloquently at times. Jordan should have endorsed someone he felt had his best interests. At that point, it's about what's right, not a party alliance. Racism isn't policy talk. It's about humanity. You don't need to know politics to speak on racism, especially for a black man that grew up in the South in the 60s and the 70s. I love both Jordan and LeBron as players, but Jordan is a cornball as human being. Jordan is a cornball as human being. Yeah, again, take one of the letters out your name and stick it in there. Um, check your bias at the door, Neckers, and he spells it N-E-G-U-S. I'll qualify that with, say, us Africans love African-Americans. For example, Malcolm X was treated like a U.S. ambassador when he came here when he wasn't. But there has always been strong sentiment in Africa that white America likes, likes inserting itself unjustly in African problems. Well, dude, the history of America has been that it's inserted itself in whatever the fuck it could put its dick in. That's why I ain't mad LeBron minding his own fucking business like Chinese people do when it comes to Black Lives Matter. P.S. <clears throat> Andy, thank you for stepping out the combo when you did. Love and respect, Nukulekilo. Numbella. 
Uh, which con- I don't know which conversation I stepped out of, though. I, I have stepped out of conversation. I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm glad it was timely. I'm glad. Yeah. Um, I don't know what he, what he wants me to do. Does he want Does he want me to shit on Jordan no, because of the whole political thing? No, he, he wants you to wake up to it. But one thing I would say to him uh, uh, about Jordan, because uh, I know everybody wants him to be more political, and I understand the feeling for wanting him to be more political, but there is something he did do, again, and I go back to this, when, and again, everybody gets mad at me about the wealth thing, but in the 1% of the money that's con- that, that controls money, that 1% we're talking about here in America, out of that 1%, only 1.7% of that money is black. Out of the 1%. Uh, and at the time Jordan was, it wasn't even 1.7%. And I, I go back to, you got to get it. You, you, you got to get in so that your voice isn't. And as a team, we speak louder, but sometimes you need an amplifier. And amplifiers cost money. And he went in and he got the amplifier. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Um, and, and, and listen, whether you do it now or later, my thing is as long as, it's, as it gets done. Um, you know, again, he, 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 I don't know. I, I shouldn't even have to say this, but, you know, again, he, 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 he had a clinic built in, in, North, in Carolina for poor people to go to. And his success allows other people to succeed particularly in a league that is predominantly black. So again, what do you niggas want? Jesus. Yeah, because even, okay, even in the league that's predominantly black, without Jordan, uh, because it's predominantly white-owned, the, the ticket sales are predominantly white sales. Without Jordan... Even like culturally, like we say, Iverson changed the game. But without Jordan, do black players get paid their sponsorship deals the same way without Jordan? Do they make the money to change lives without Jordan? I think Jordan's influence is there. I just think he went about it a different way. And he says that he didn't see himself as a as political or an activist. He saw himself as a basketball player. And as you get educated, as you get older, you can make better political decisions. I wish he would have just I wish he could have stepped up. Jesse Helms wasn't the right wasn't the right person. Uh, it was a, there was a change in America. And that was a guy who should have been changed out. Um, yeah, it would have been great if he did. But does that does that diminish what he's doing? Like you just said, does it diminish what he does now? And can he do more now because of the way he did it? So I don't know. Right, right. And I'm going to go to your hero, um, Dr. J, on that great, uh, I forget what it's called, but the Dr. J documentary uh, that aired on um, the NBA channel, NBA TV. You know, when they talked about how Dr. J was such a crossover uh, into where he, you know, he basically came into white stream America as, as I hate using this fucking word because it seems like we need approval, but acceptable. I hate using that fucking word, but it's like he, 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 he was kind of like the first black dude where white kids, white parents said, yay, I don't mind my son being like him. And in a country with a history of racism, that matters. Maybe change out the word acceptable for embraced. Okay, there you go. Um, but even that, it, it, I still don't like the connotations of it. Dude, it, 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 you might see connotations in there, but uh, as uh, speaking as, uh, as not black, 
something I do is embraced by the black community. I, I feel I take I, I, I take something out of that. That makes me feel better about my place in society. Yeah, but 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 the problem is it, you're not looked at as an ooh factor. Black people have always been looked at as an ooh. So oh, we've been embraced now. We're not ooh. So that's what I mean when I say the connotations of that. Yeah, but I, let me move. Yeah, but let me move on. I got you. Um, and Jordan took that to another level. So again, him doing that, if that puts us in a different light, oh, I hate this whole fucking thing. But if, but all I'm saying is marketable. It's it shouldn't matter, but it matters. But even okay, let's let's break this down a little bit differently though, because I understand what you're saying, but and I understand your trouble with the word. But let's use other let's use white players. Not all white players are marketable. Not all white players are embraced. Not even in basketball. I'm just talking about outside. Pete Rose is not embraced. He's a white dude. He's not embraced by. But he's not. But but is he not embraced because of what he did? Because of what he did. Okay, so let's take somebody with some with, that weren't liked because of just personality. Uh, Ty, uh, let's see, what it was. Ty Cobb was not embraced by the media. He was a racist. He was a racist and hated by by whites also. Uh, but who else? Who else do we have that? Listen, I, I get I get what you're saying. You know, everybody ain't Tom Mac, Brady. McEnroe at the time when he was playing tennis was not embraced by the tennis community. But he was a tyrant. All the white people you're naming have issues. Tell me a white person with no issues that's not embraceable. Me. <laughs> on that note <laughs> um, Oliver Moe uh, uh, oh and, here, and here's another one for Andy and he even titles it Andy is the best <laughs> hey I love how I read it like it's a PBS uh, Mr. Rogers reading the children Andy this next book is Andy is the best um, sounds like it's going to get negative everything. No, 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 not at all. It's all for you. Uh, hey, Aries and Andy, I'm going to start by using the cliche phrase, long-time listener, first-time writer. Then I'm going to proceed by giving compliments to Andy so that y'all are forced to pay attention. Uh, laugh out loud. <laughs> Just kidding. I'm sure he gets tons of love from listeners, too. But I feel not enough. Andy is a really good dude and really needed on this podcast. He brings balance. Different perspectives and a much-needed whiteness to counterbalance Aries' pro-black militant talks. Take that, Leroy Jenkins. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and he's really funny too. I wish he would show that side more sometimes. He should not hold back. Nigga, nigga, nigga. Okay, enough of sucking Andy's dick. Now that I got y'all's attention, laugh out loud. My main reason for writing this email is to advise y'all to watch the TV show Snowfall. I'm not sure if y'all ever mentioned that show on the platform before or if anybody ever put y'all on to this. But if that's not the case, please, please, please watch it. You won't regret it. I know, Aries, that your favorite show is The Sopranos. Gotta admit, I never watched it for the simple reason that mob shows are not my first choice. But I'm going to start thanks to y'all. And that you love power and enjoy Breaking Bad a little bit. But having watched the last two, I can be 100% sure 
y'all are going to enjoy Snowfall. Like I mentioned earlier, mob shows or drug-related shows are not my first choice. Um, what is his name? Oliver? Oliver Moe. Yeah, Oliver, take this moment to change your panty liner. Uh, <laughs> no man should ever say that mob and drug-related shows are not my first choice. Please, dog, don't ever do that again. Even if they're not, keep that to yourself. Um, Dude, can I say something real quick, though? Yes. I don't see your opinions as militant. Uh, not at all. So well, I, I, didn't, that, I didn't understand that, that comment. Fear. That's that white fear. I didn't understand he, the comment. He, no, 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 no. No, no, to his defense. To his defense, he did say LOL. Oh, okay, okay. So he, he was being, you know. Okay, okay. But there yeah. are some people that do that. Yeah, I, 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 I've heard people do that. I, I've never understood that because I don't. I, I think you're way more balanced than. Uh, uh, there's, I mean, I've also heard militant people speak. So uh, yeah. we need to kill them white honking pig <laughs> devil motherfuckers. Uh, Ain't that right, Leroy Jenkins? That's right. Ain't that right, Leroy Furious? That's right. All right. Um, <laughs> uh, not my first choice, but my brother forced me to watch this one, and I do not regret it one bit. And now I'm hooked and waiting impatiently for the fourth season, which might take a while because of this quote, and also because the showrunner John Singleton, yeah, the guy who made Boys in the Hood, passed away. Rest in peace. I don't know why this show is not talked about more. To me, the writing is more superior than power, and the show is really diverse. It's not just about blacks. It's got, and this is, I laughed at this part, it's got Mexicans, he puts in parentheses. Yay, Andy. <laughs> Colombians, Jews. Yay, Andy. And, of course, white Americans. Yay, Andy. Is I don't want to say much. Is it, really, is it really Mexicans, or is it uh, Puerto Ricans, Dominicans, uh, everything but Mexican? Because hardly any Mexicans are in any shows. They just use... Uh, other Latin uh, Hispanic types to play Mexican. Because them motherfuckers are busy picking strawberries. <laughs> uh, I don't want to say much more because this email is longer than I expected and it reduces the chance of it being read. Laugh out loud. But not even, you know, this nigga cases everything would laugh on loud, laugh out loud after he says some shit. So you think he being slick. Nigga, I eat your mother's pussy. Laugh out loud. Um... <laughs> <laughs> but please even if I'm not read on the podcast it's okay as long as you remember my point watch Snowfall keep feeding us that pure uncut content much love P.S. thanks for telling us what no cap means laugh out loud I had no clue either all of her mall you know I've had I've had a couple people say Snowfall is dope yeah. and I never thought to watch that No, I, I it's one of those things I never see I, I like I hear about it and then I, I it, it just falls out because it's not I never see it come up on anything I don't see it on uh, Reddit I don't see it on talked about on uh, any of the other social media it's not on Netflix I know I'm sure it is I'm sure I'm sure it's on something oh. I, but I I don't know what it's on but I just don't ever see it talked about on like social media or anything like uh, you hear Breaking Bad you hear you know I, I've no I want to I want to check it out though because I do remember hearing uh, some good things about it from people. So I want to check it out. I've been watching a lot, man. I'm catching up right now. Now, dude, I know we said that the deal was the next time we did this podcast, you will have watched the full season of Power, the first one. 
and I will have watched a, a full season, the first one of Sons of Anarchy. Now, you, you did your homework better than I did because I'm only about seven episodes in, excuse me, of um, Sons of Anarchy. And before you, I ask you what you feel about power again, I got to say, I like Sons of Anarchy. And maybe it's one of those things where the deeper I get, the more I'll be hooked. But again, I got to go back to what I'm saying. And this was always my point. Sons of Anarchy ain't punching me in the mouth from the gate the way Sopranos does or the way Power did. It's just not doing it. You're not all in on Sons of Art Anarchy towards till the end, until really the mid of the second season. But I feel the same way about Power because I'm in it now. I'm in it now, but I still have problems with it. I still have a lot. But you said you, but you said you thought it was better, right? Yeah, it's it's gotten a lot better. There's still, dude. Okay, I'm gonna take some shit for this, but this is this is it. Um, there's now that I'm watching it and I'm and I'm uh, streaming it, so I'm binging it. In between the episodes, they have um, I'm gonna forget her name because she comes out and she's one of the I think she's one of the I, I thought she was one of the writers because she explains the arc of what's happening in the. Series. She is the writer. She I, I know who you're talking about. Okay. She is the writer. Some of the, the it, it that that woman's perspective in this in this bothers me a little bit on the gangster side of it. Because right. I, I like I, as I brought up to you, there's just some things that wouldn't happen. And uh, mm. as I've got into it, though, and I've accepted the characters, even though some of the timelines and some of the things they do don't work out right, I, I've accepted it and I bought in. I'm in. I'm in. I'm in the. I, I'm, I'm just the part where the uh, redheaded chick tells uh, what's her name. Uh, Ghost girl. Ghost. Ghost girl. What's her ghost girl? No. He, oh, Tasha. Tasha. That, uh, that, uh, no, bitch, you're sleeping with ghosts. You didn't, like, I, I got to that, and I like that part. That part, I like the right. woman's writing, the interaction, the, the, right. the, the, how catty the, the, the redheaded chick is. Like, he does that. You, you are the one. I, I like it. I like to play, you know, I like to play with the white, the white redheaded girl. This, the Puerto Rican uh, lawyer and then his wife right. was being black. They really, I mean, I don't know how many people are paying attention to the racial arc that's going on in there as well. Uh, all this, I think, is uh, that's, and I like the woman's perspective in that. Just some of the things that a gangster doesn't do bothers me. But I've gotten past that because the story <laughs> has gotten good. <laughs> this is coming from the Jew, the biggest gangsters on the planet. <laughs> Yeah, um, you you said you said uh, you you checked out Sex in the City. Check, I, you know what? And and as uh, as as an older person, I think I missed it because I think I had just gotten married when it came out, so I wasn't like a young person that was out. I was kind of more in that married zone, right? And and then I didn't get the arc as a, as a divorced guy looking at it now. I mean, there's a lot of information. There's a playbook in there. You're not wrong. Oh, dude, I told you, man. You're not wrong at all. Yeah. And you're getting it from the woman's perspective to yes. make your plays work. I mean, yes. we have we, we have plays, but we might have been off somewhere on our X's and O's. Yes, motherfucker. Yes. So, uh, yeah, and I get it more now. I do get it it's, more. It's, it's almost like when you've seen in the NBA how certain players be in other players' huddles. 
You know what I mean? When they ain't supposed to be. This will give you a chance to get inside the the pussy huddle. Yes. But uh, this is my biggest problem with power, though, because I was saying, not biggest. Oh, you got notes? Oh, I got notes, man. Because when it came up, (laughs) because when I went back to it, I went episode six, season one. And I was ready to call. I was ready just to go. Fuck this shit. No, <laughs> because there is this woman writer that I see, and she's telling the story. But there's this point where uh, uh, Tommy, uh, wait, 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 where oh, where the the redheaded chick says Holly says the has the earrings on. Yeah, and she gets caught. The next question after, did you buy those earrings for her? And he says, yeah, I did. The next question, where'd you get them from? That would have been the next question. He would have got caught. Tommy isn't smart enough to get past that. She, he would have got caught because she would have said, where'd you get him at then? Also, Tommy, uh, uh, oh, and then now there's no trust with Tommy anymore. So the trust would have already been gone. So there, I have some issues with this, this, this these moments, and and that, and the, and, the, and Holly, Holly, I can, I, I really am bad with name. Holly, she would have never worn. She's she's an accomplished uh, thief. She steals these things. She she did it. She took it from Ghost House. She would not have worn them to the club. She would have never. Yes, she would have. No, 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 no. You got to remember that shit that women do. She was being pe- like on purpose to go. Yeah, bitch. Can you see it? Figure it out. Yeah, I got your earrings. I ain't going to tell you I got your earrings, but I got your earrings. That's female shit. Maybe. Maybe I don't get that, but I don't think so. Only because he, Tommy brought her to Ghost House, the owner of the club, his partner. And that could have, that, unless, unless it's a power move to see what will Tommy do for me? What will Tommy do for me? Will pop? I, I, I already hear Shamor writing to validate what I just said. I already hear Farrah writing that's woman shit that that's what women do they do petty snide shit like that that's what they do it's like when i said about the dude the Django. we're vikings that's what we do sports debate it's who we are that's woman shit that's what they do yeah i, I just had these maybe i'll give you that one but but she he still would have got caught. She's too smart for Tommy. She wouldn't let that shit go by like that. And then she even kind of later admits that she knew Tommy was lying. But you got to remember, you got to you got to give some artistic license. I, I do, I do, and I do. And then when I got to when I got that was through that was episode six. When I got to seven, and it started the the the, the story starts getting told a little faster, and they're not doing some. some then I, I got into it. There's there's still a lot of little holes, but I, I'm giving up for the story to work. But I promise you, dog, it gets better. Like, here's my thing. When you said to me, Sons of Anarchy, and I, and I remember, I remember you and I were on the road and we had this conversation about Game, Game of Thrones. And I told you how people would say to me, yeah, it's slow at first, but by third season, dude, if you got to get me at third season, <laughs> come on. Yeah. You got to get me from fucking jump for me to keep investing. I, I don't want to wait around till third season. But I'm in power now. Now I'm going to watch it the whole way through because I'm in and I want to know what happens. Uh, I, I, I watched it. I watched a good probably six or seven episodes yesterday because I was in. Yeah, I'm telling you, man. I'm telling you. Yeah. It's, it's dope. But some of it is just so like, I mean, you don't know that it's 50. This is going to be the is the bad guy. You don't you, like I saw that coming. 
You got to follow the money. Look at it. Look at it like you look at your relationship with your girl. You know this bullshit at times. <laughs> you know there's holes in the plot. You know shit is contrived. But you ain't walking away from the pussy. The pussy's good. But see, that, that, and that is the underlying theme of this whole thing. It's, it's the pussy. It's all about the pussy. Because it is. The gangsters, yeah. they're, 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 they're selling each other out. They're doing the wrong things. All about pussy. And I don't know hard... Hard gangsters, but gangsters that, don't do that. Hard gangsters that I know are, are about business first. They will push things aside if they have to over over that because pussy is available. They have the money to go get it, so it's available. I, to, to all the to all the hardcore gangsters, drug dealers that are listening to this, uh, please go borrow someone's typewriter or computer and get them to draft up. Uh, your opinions on this, because I know you niggas don't have laptops. Y'all got cocaine. Uh, I want to know y'all's thoughts. Dude, okay. The hard ones, the hard ones that are on the top are using computers to make their business work. That's that's okay. the, that's the first part. They know what they're doing. That's why it's it's hard for me to believe some of this, but I, I get it. You got to give it dramatic license. We all have a weakness, and I think that's what it's saying. Our men's what is the men's weakness? The weak the the drug business is a tough game, but. The, the pussy management business is even tougher. Right. <laughs> okay. Um, Shamor Emery. My cherry more. Ride or die question. This is, for, this is a very female answer, but it's the truth. And remember, we, we had asked the question as far as Breaking Bad uh, about ladies, if you found out your man was Walter White and was bringing home $80 million in meth money, uh, would you ride or die with him? And this is her answer. First, I would ask him to stop. I would need to know why he can't stop or get out. He can't stop because it's pussy, baby. It feels good. He can't stop or get out. Um, once it's clear he can't, I don't want to know anything about it, so I can't be charged or involved. I would never turn him in. That being said, I would absolutely 100%. You see what she just did there? You see the woman shit she just pulled? Yeah. Yeah, she wants to be involved in all the good shit, but don't want to uh, know nothing in case when it's time to get arrested, she can't be charged. Boy, I tell you. I'm, I'm um, going to tell you from personal experience, a Louis bag or Gucci bag is quite a moral Band-Aid. <laughs> I like that. I like that. A moral Band-Aid. I like that. Um, I would never turn him, turn him in. That being said... I would absolutely 100% keep spending the money and enjoying the lifestyle, the activity provided. I would also suggest we also do good with the money, like charity, scholarships, invest in poor neighborhoods, etc. Live nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is so weird. This is a very female answer. Now, this Are I you understand. Kidding me? Right. I would look the other way, which I know is being complicit. Morally, I would love to say no way would I allow it, but that's not reality. Once the money starts coming in, and as always, a big hello to Farah and other ladies listening. Shamar Emery. Of course. Of course you would, boo-boo. Those are all band-aids. I mean, all band-aids. Yeah, man. Come on. $80 million? You'll forgive some shit. Uh, how about, you know, my question is, how much would you be willing to forgive? Where is the line? 
babe, I, I sucked that nigga's dick. Oh, honey, go and brush your teeth. Uh, <laughs> and let's talk this out. Um, all right. Dude, but, it but the thing in, in power, she right away acknowledges and recognizes that he's a drug dealer and his goal to be the biggest, it should be to be the biggest drug dealer. That's, that's the whole problem in the premise of this is that he wants to see himself as more than that. And that's right. Uh, right. Yeah. She don't, she, she don't. don't. So she love the money. Yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, where, where with breaking bad, Skyler went along with it, but really didn't want to and wanted him to get out. Yeah. Oh, you see, the white woman <laughs> wants the white man to quit doing bad. The black woman wants the nigga to keep fucking up. Leroy Furious. Hey, Leroy Jenkins. There's also another scene in there uh, in Power. Uh, it talks a little bit to the money thing that I always say, and that, that's one of the episodes that I really enjoyed is when they go over to uh, the, the competition, the, the guy who wants to buy the place, his, his club. I don't even know the guy's name. The white dude. Right. And they yeah. Go, and they show, you know, Ghost and his house and his, his cars and his life, right? And, uh, and then they go over to his house and they show you the different wealth. And then you see the, the, what wealth does. And when I'm talking about money, how it can balance playing fields, how it can buy certain things that you can't get when you're just doing things without that money. You need that money to grease those wheels. And the last thing I want to say about Power 2, the scene where uh, the dude's talking and 50 has to tell his boy, you know, he cuts the guy's tongue out and leaves him in the trunk of the car and just tells him... Yeah. That's a brand new Mercedes. No one's fucking up the trunk of their fucking Mercedes. Yeah, but when you're a drug dealer... No. You know what I mean? No. You, 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 no. No? No. And, and there's, a very, there's some very important scenes in other gangster movies when they're saying, who would ever notice a few thousand being skimmed off the top? Drug dealers. There's the scene in Scarface when the, when the money's a little bit off and they're doing the... Uh, they're doing the money, so he's gonna. Uh, he's washing the money, and they count the money. They count that big uh, tub of money, and it's off by like uh, fifty thousand dollars. And then he goes, "No, right. count it again." That's drug dealer shit. You keep track of your money. You don't give away your money like that. You don't fucking shoot holes in your fucking brand new Mercedes and put someone's blood in there that connects you to a crime. You don't do that shit. And that's over dramatizing some of these gangster films is what gets me. Now, when we someone's gonna say they did it in Goodfellas. That's before we had DNA and everything. This is I'm talking about this movie is being written for what's <laughs> happening today. And gangsters that are successful know what they're fucking doing. And that's we the really, shit you don't we, do. We, 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 listen, we really need some gangsters and drug dealers. I know it go, I know you don't want to have anything on paper, evidence, but y'all got come up with a with a with a fit. Call yourself Goldilocks or some made up Disney name. But we need, I need to know that Andy knows what he's talking about. Man. Hustlers. May, hustlers. Right in. Maybe we, maybe we get an, uh, I got a post office box. I don't know the address. Maybe I get that. They can send, they can type it out and send it there. So there's no trace <laughs> of it. But yeah, man, I would love for, or how about an ex hustler, man? Yeah. Let us know because I, I think people think that I'm uh, making it up. I just think that there's a lot of story and people that are real gangsters see these stories and they kind of laugh at them a little bit. That's my, that's my personal feeling. I'm going to leave it like that. 
I got the story now. I got what's happening. I'm into power. We're gonna feel. We're gonna ride with it a little ways. And as long as it stays kind of where it's at right now, I'm, I'm good to finish it out. I don't know if you ever remember, but uh, what's my man name? They called him the Teflon Don. John Gotti. Uh, I think it was one of his one of his captains when The Sopranos was on. The FBI played tape of one of his guys talking about The Sopranos, and they were like, "Yo, that fucking show is pretty fucking good." Pretty fucking accurate. So it'd be great to get some hustlers uh, either uh, validate or denounce what Andy is saying to be truth or fiction. I I would appreciate it because I got to tell you, I I was, first of all, as far as like my experience, I was, I was weed. I was a weed guy. uh, And at the time when I was in it, it it was, it was fairly I want to say safe because uh, wasn't a lot of guns. It was it was guys that were more chilled out. The dudes that made me nervous were cocaine dudes because that was the different business, the business we're talking about right now that's in power. And those guys made me very nervous because there were guns and there was protection involved in that. And like that's why weed was chill. And when I got in trouble, uh, was actually a good time because that's when the weed business kind of turned because uh, it got a little bit more dangerous. I I, I want to survive, man. I was safety first. Right. Um, Daniel Burns, uh, Sopranos versus Breaking Bad. Jesus Christ. What's good, Aries and Andy? Big fan of the show. Love what you're doing. Aries, I've been to three of your shows, and you are definitely in my top five all-time comedians. I just finished watching Breaking Bad. I'm late to the party, too. I felt it was a great show, but Sopranos is far superior in every way. I wouldn't rewatch Breaking Bad. I don't think it has the replay value like Sopranos has. As for power, I think the words of the great poet Jay-Z fits it best. Had a spark when you started, but now you're just garbage. The show fell off all the way by season three. Plot got ridiculous, acting is horrible, and they all seem to be able to easily weasel their way out of any situation. And how the fuck does Tommy find parking so easy in Manhattan? <laughs> Dude. Oh, you, man. can't, you can't spend 20 minutes on the parking situation. Damn, Dude, he has, the loud, he has that loud-ass purple car, and nobody seems to be able to notice when he's around. He killed Proctor with a machine gun, aired out the whole apartment and nobody heard it i will give you that um come on son lala was in the nail was the nail in the coffin as far as characters and acting that fake ass rosie perez detective dude i swear to god let me stop for a second i hated that bitch and i said the same thing she sounds like she's trying to be rosie perez and it annoyed me like a booger i couldn't reach um Rosie Perez Detective was annoying and had the corniest lines. Don't get me started on Tariq. The guy that plays him always does a good job of playing the dickhead child. He was an asshole as Ice Cube's kid in the last Barbershop movie. Now we are supposed to believe he's going to be a kingpin in the spinoff series? Nah, bruh. But at the end of the day, I agree that Sopranos is the best series of all time. The Wire is highly overrated. Not bad, but I felt after I heard all the hype, I was expecting more. Keep doing your thing, fellas. Be safe. Damn, man. Yeah. I just don't like it. He shits on the show with you on the line. Damn. <laughs> the uh, 
the, the thing that I, I and I and I'm not going to disagree with the writing uh, and the style between Sopranos and Breaking Bad. What I will tell you though, Breaking Bad is a more DIY gangster, a DIY gangster. What is DIY? What Do is it that? yourself. Like it's a guy oh. that just you know he wasn't a gangster. He kind of just put this idea together and then ran with it. And that's right. and, and that's where you see in this arc is the stupidity of someone that doesn't know what they're doing. Uh, you know, from the very first uh, time he cooks, when they crash the it it that you have to that one bothered me too. I think you get caught when you're in uh, when you when your uh, Winnebago is in a ditch. But that is that wouldn't happen to a, a real game. That doesn't happen unless you're a, a school teacher. That decides right. to make money. So that that that's the part about Breaking Bad that's different. I said it's approachable to people that aren't in that that, that have never considered or never thought about doing anything gangsterish. Where he brings you in that way, where like in The Sopranos, we're going to talk about crime, the way crime's done by a family that is in the business of crime. So they're two they they come from two different angles. So that that's what makes them unique in each of their own ways. That I really enjoy right. both of them. Well, I gotta say, and, and I and I and I said that, like, I, like when Breaking Bad was over, like once I started it and I got into it, I was in it, and I was like, yo, I, I want to see how this ends. I want to see if if uh, what was my man name, the DEA Hank. I want I want to see when he catches him, how it unfolds, what's gonna happen, Skyler, the relationship, Gus. I was in it, and when it finished, I went the end. Yeah. It was a great book. Thank you, Daddy. Good night. I don't have any reason to want to go see it again. No, I'm not. It, it, I'm not. But Soprano, yeah. But but Sopranos. So again, sometimes, dude, I come in the house. I got a pizza. I got my sub sandwich. I got hot wings. I go, man. Sopranos, nigga. This is the seasoning to my dish. Well, there's a lot more texture in, in in Sopranos, the way that it's written, the way, you know, the way the Breaking Bad's done each when when it's over, like you just said, it's finished. You got it. But there's some things that people I, I don't think they get enough credit for. The way they killed Gus is probably my favorite death scene of any gangster. When they right. blow him up and he walks out and you see him and he's still standing, you're like, this is bullshit. You don't survive that. And then it pans over and half of his head's gone and then he hits the ground. I mean, that was a fucking awesome, unexpected scene that I could not have imagined set up that way. I thought that was fantastic. That is one of the best death scenes to, to, uh, to the, the gangster in, in a series I've ever seen. You know, when you just said it, texture. And, and sometimes I'm, 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 I'm trying to fill in the blanks to what it is I'm trying to say, and then you'll say it, and then you'll make me go, ah, there you go. Like, again, Walter White, as you said, was a guy who an ordinary man could see himself becoming, whereas Tony, you either that or you're not. Right. But in terms of texture, yeah, we got that Tony was a mob guy, but what was great was when they also let you know, hey, he's a father, a family man that deals with what most fathers deal with. One of my favorite scenes is when uh, his daughter Meadow wants to go to Europe uh, for college and he's against it. His mother's against it. And he goes into her room and as he sits down on the chair, he realizes he's sitting down on a cereal bowl that should be in the sink. And at one point she says to him, wow, listen to Mr. Mob Boss. And he goes, what did you say to me? 
And Carmella goes, Tony. And he immediately looks at her and goes, shut up, Tony. And he just tells his wife, shut up. Men are missing that. I'm not saying to knock your woman's teeth loose, but you should be able to tell your woman to shut up sometimes. And that we live in such a moist political climate that the moment a man raises his voice, he's about to assault her. No. And, and to the contrary, Tony was adamant about he would never put his wife, his hands on his wife. And the one time he smacked his son, he felt horrible. But he still was a man. Shut up. He told her, shut up. And sometimes you need to do that. You don't need to be subjective to Django. Uh, you got to be able to grab your Vikings hat and go, shut up. Here's, here's, here's the scene. I'm going to give you a scene from Power and a scene from uh, from Sopranos and tell you what what makes it. And when I talk about that deeper texture, that way that you really bring a bring someone in the audience from their sofa to the to the scene inside the scene. In Power, when the, he's talking to the Russians, he said, "Hey, man, I can't do that because you know." And then he starts describing how they grind up people and put make a make a meat. Uh, yeah. Do you know what part I'm talking about? Where in, in this in the uh, in this is uh, this is in power when he's going to the Russians. Oh. Uh, it's uh, to- Tommy goes to the Russians and he's talking to the Russians and the Russian goes, they they make you and they he's he talks about this dish that they serve. Uh, where they I don't remember that, ground, but I'm, yeah, I'm but sure it's yeah. ground meat. And then Tommy even goes, yeah, I don't I don't want to eat here. Like you know they 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 oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. okay <clears throat> in Sopranos. The meeting happens with uh, Chris at the pork store with the, uh, <laughs> and they show you, you the pork store. They show you yeah. the heads the, in the pork <laughs> store. You see the wooden table where they, <sighs> they grind the meat. And then the guy leans right. over to do the Coke line and he shoots him in the head and he kills him there. Yeah. yeah. That's you. You can smell when they show the heads of the uh, of the pigs. You smell that that butcher shop. You see the wood table that they're gonna make. They're they're doing their butchering on, and you see the guy die on that table. <laughs> that brings you in like not like like nothing else. And don't they later grind that dude into the meat? Uh, no, 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 because that's the guy he bags up, and they he was gonna throw away in the dumpster, so they find him. But then, the, oh. yeah, yeah. Um, but those scenes where they give you this, like you smell it, you can taste what's happening on the screen. That's what makes the Sopranos this iconic series. That right. the, there's these moments that, they, that other people tell a story, and they, and I'm gonna say they create a visual smell for you in Sopranos. Right. Yeah, yeah. I, I, listen, man. I, I'm uh, like I, I'm 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 trying. I'm gonna finish because I started. I'm gonna finish Sons of Anarchy, but I just wish they would get me because I'm just waiting and waiting. And incidentally, in one of my notes, uh, you tell me if I'm bugging, nigga. Katie Seagal. No, no. She was and when she was in. Uh... Married with children. Dude, she was hot. They made her look goofy. They made her look like that goofy chick, but she's always been. She, do you know? No. She, yeah. yeah. Do you know she used to be the backup singer for uh, Bruce Springsteen? She was one of the backup singers. This, I didn't know that. This chick has been in the business. She's been everywhere. She's, uh, she's a sexy woman. Yo, she can get the business, nigga. <laughs> but she, Even but, now, it's Sons of Anarchy. But you know what? She wouldn't, can get the boom. But you know what I would miss? Is it 
when when I when it came out, there wouldn't be any fear in her eyes. <laughs> uh, there might be fear in your eyes. <laughs> uh, that you'll you'll you're gonna get there. It's coming. It's coming. When we start getting into. Uh, Dude, the character of oh, I think it's Opie. When you get into his character and what's happening with him, there's a there's an arc in that that you're gonna really you're gonna be sad. I I, I bet I, I can guarantee you you're gonna be sad as as this moves along. You're gonna go, oh man, because you're gonna get attached to characters. And before we get off this, and I know I asked you this on the road, but I've never asked you on the podcast. I don't think. Did you ever get into Game of Thrones? Man, I've tried to watch it three times, and everybody, like you said, says oh, you have to get. And I was kind of there, but there's just so much good stuff on, and I want to get in. But it's, you know, it's something that you know. Even my son, True, True, True's my son. That's on the autism spectrum. Loves Dungeons and Dragons. Loves all that kind of stuff. I, I said to myself, you know what? I'm going to make this a father son thing. I'm going to get into it with my son, so I can have this thing that I share with him that is ours. For me and him, man, he couldn't even get into it the way that I that I need to him to get oh. into it so that I could do it. So you know, it's, oh. it, it, it's a storyline that if you get into it, I'm sure it's great. I dude, there's a lot of good nudity in it. If you like naked people running around on the screen, it's 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 <laughs> that part. You want to talk about you 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 want to talk about fear in women's eyes? <laughs> that was that was that was sex back when women didn't have a choice. No. <laughs> Oh, come here, come here, bitch. As you know, take your side. <laughs> I just, I, I, I can't, dude. Dude, I, I try. I, my lady tried to get me into a nigga. Titles and lines and kings and queens and hither and dragons. I, 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 I can't. I can't, dude. I was kind of getting into it, and then they go, "Man, once you get to the zombie part," and I went, "What zombies? Wait dude, a minute! I was waiting for the. I was waiting for the dragons, nigga. They're coming." Give me the dragons. They're coming, but then they get into zombies and the, the frozen zone, and I'm like, oh, man, you. I really have a hard time of going that far out on the line for the series. I mean, I, I like, I like things that uh, I, I understand a little bit more. I don't understand dragons and, and zombies. I mean, even even The Walking Dead, which I did like this series. I mean, that got old after a while. I, I get it. I get it. I get what they're trying to say, but they already said it, so I can't watch that one anymore either. Dude, the people that did like Game of Thrones go to Comic Con. Yeah, and we know what your experience at Comic Con was like. You were. <laughs> you guys, I, I don't. We talked about this on another podcast, but if you ever saw someone who wanted, and like, I, I'm going to say this about you because I, I, I've gotten to know you very, I think, very well over these few years, and I can tell when you. You have an idea, but you want it. You like, I'm going to go there. I want to like this. Because if I like this, it opens up all these other areas for me. <laughs> and you wanted to like it. And you walked away. Oh. And you didn't even give out your first opinion. The, the first few minutes, man, I could see it in your face. It was starting to turn. It was like a clock going backwards. I could see you trying, but it was, it was in reverse. And then when we hit the bigger groups and you saw some of the dudes, you were some of the dudes, some of the chicks, you were just like, Nah, and it was over, dude. The episode of the podcast to which Andy is talking about is called Flow Rider. Uh, that's the one where we had Neri and Ivan. Um, and let me put what you just said into real perspective. When we, when I hosted the ABN Awards the first time, and you were with me, and like Comic Con, you walked around in that one area of the hotel at the Hard Rock 
where it was a pussy convention. Yeah. I wasn't overly excited about that. And that's pussy. Yeah, the way it is, now, it's weird. Yeah. But but I'm supposed to be excited about some 300-pound fat black bitch dressed as Chun-Li? <laughs> I'm supposed to be excited about a four-foot-three Asian nigga dressed as Gandalf? I think though you would have liked uh, the uh, uh, AVNs more if when you were walking around trying to see some of the girls that you might have seen or that you thought were hot or that were kind of and get to talk to some of them. It's kind of funny to find out some of them are exactly what you thought they were and others are nothing like what you thought they were. But yeah. but you couldn't even do that because dudes were stopping <laughs> to shake Man. your hand. And I, why do I want to shake your hand? You're at a, you're at a porn <laughs> convention. I don't want your hand in my hand. I, that was the part that was funny to me because I got to watch your face every time someone came up to you. So that was awesome. But uh, no, uh, yeah, you you uh, yeah you you definitely did not get what you wanted out of Comic Con. I think you would. I, I know you went in there with an open mind because you wanted to enjoy the idea that you could have this Marvel universe and there's more out there. And then you saw what that more was, and he was like, "No, nah, I'm okay with it right here on the screen. That's enough." Yeah, man, I, I have a limit to my Marvel fandom. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, there we go. All right, well, that's it, y'all. Uh, thank you as always. Email me Aries Spears forty five hotmail. I, I really am going to look forward to the hustler drug dealer uh, responses, so we can validate whether or not Andy knows what he's talking about. Uh, thank y'all for listening. Much love. Uh, there we go, baby. AndyComedy.com. All my social media is in the upper right-hand corner. Talk to you. Can you feel it, baby?